You're listening to a Brian Suit Show replay on AM 770 KTTH. Uh, New York Times, June 15th, 2022. Lavish money laundering schemes exposed in Canada. This was absolutely... Hey, uh, AM 770 KTTH, Brian Suits here. Uh, with producer Greg, this is this is something that uh, that one would think would be a bigger story uh, here in Seattle as it affects us because of this uh, fentanyl and uh, stuff that's uh, all over. Um, self-professed students were buying multi-million-dollar homes in the Vancouver area with dubious sources of income, or none at all. A family of modest means transferred at least 114 million Canadian dollars to British Columbia. Uh, loan sharks clean their dirty money by giving garbage bags and hockey bags full of illicit Canadian $20 bills to gamblers who took it onto casino floors. Those were just some of the findings from a long-awaited report into money laundering in Canada's western province of British Columbia, uh, which, after two years of testimony, was finally released by a special commission on Wednesday. Um, m- m- makes me wish we bordered Mexico, <laughs> I mean, to be honest with you. Nowhere... In in Mexico, are the Chinese having the success in laundering money and pushing drugs into the United States than uh, than they are in BC? This is crazy. It's absolutely crazy. Uh, I I had assumed that the majority of uh, heroin, fentanyl, and all that was was coming from the south. Um, uh, illegal marijuana is generally grown. Now uh, in California and Arizona, where they steal water, <clears throat> but fentanyl is coming in from BC, and why wouldn't it? Because there's virtually no law enforcement for uh, for chasing down uh, illicit foreign money in Vancouver, um, mainly because there's no foreign agent reporting act. There's nothing even close to in in the U.S. If if a Chinese gangster uh, is is lobbying Congress people? They have to register as a foreign agent. They don't do that in Canada. They don't have that law in Canada because they they've determined it's too American and too racist. And the result is the Chinese have stopped trying. Really, in 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 the U.S. Because why? Why would you? Why why don't you do it in Canada? It, the 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 level of corruption in in that province is astounding. And and it, yes, it's affecting us here because this this is where the fentanyl comes in. So I'm I, as it happened by by coincidence, some people I know were were uh, driving north back to uh, BC. Uh, so I spent a couple hours uh, talking with them, catching up uh, because I'm back in the area, and now you can it's easier to get and see relatives that I have up in Vancouver and all that. In, in, in the case of, of um, the person I was talking to, they're emigrating to the U.S. And, and they, they have a, a, a fairly established career in law enforcement uh, in Canada. But they're emigrating because, uh, because of governmental interference, et cetera, and corruption. And, and here, here's what, what's crazy about it, it. It was always sort of charming and and hilarious that in in Canada uh, I I had relatives my cousin Marshall had a satellite dish and he could pay a guy to give him a, a, a card that would unlock every channel right there, there was a time 
when with a satellite dish, you, you bought a card and it basically it, it, it unlocked the channels that were on the card. It, you know, in reality, the, your satellite dish is getting every channel. And all you do with your remote is you're filtering out everything but the thing you're watching. And um, and so my my cousin had said, yeah, I you know, paid the guy 100 bucks and he gave me the other card because the satellite company doesn't know. And and I thought, oh wow, you could do, couldn't do that in the U.S. They probably wouldn't offer, and and it's probably true. And and uh, but in Canada, everyday corruption in in B.C. anyway is a very common thing, and and it, it's come to a point now where it, it, it's so corrupt that their federal government had to for for a year investigate all the money laundering and corruption in Canada. And what it really boils down to is um, the Chinese nationals. Under the direction of the Ministry for State Security, the Chinese MSS, um, <clears throat> sell and export drugs into the United States with the money that they make, that they launder through B.C., through uh, several casinos around Richmond and Vancouver, B.C., they fund espionage in Canada. I mean, it's so self-contained. It's it's brilliant. And and it's it's what's crazy is... It's based on the Russian model. When the first wave of Russians that came here in the early 90s were gangsters because they were the ones who bribed their way out first. They got in line to leave. And part of the, the deal that they made with the, the – because the one thing that remained when the Soviet Union collapsed was the KGB state, the state within a state. Um, and they changed their letterhead and you know repainted the barbed wire and the whole thing. Uh, but they maintained their decades-long ties to the Russian mob. Because even at the height of the Soviet Union, the, the KGB internally uh, used Russian organized crime to spy on their own people and just know what was going on. Well, the Chinese have taken that model, and they've taken the, the, the Chinese uh, organized crime system, known as triads, which have been around for hundreds of years. They, they've been here in, in North America for 150 years in in here in Seattle uh in Portland in San Francisco and of course in in Vancouver and they they interoperate with them and raise money and it it blew me away to to see the the report it's called the Cullen report it came out a couple of weeks ago New York Times with the story i've seen nothing in Seattle about it nothing at all because because you wonder well, you know, where does the fentanyl come from? Well, it seems like a big gap between China and Queen Anne or China and South Lake Union. It, it comes from Canada. Um, and the, the, the person in a position to know uh, said that it is his agency's assessment that what's happening at America's southern border with the flood of immigrants uh, is a gigantic strategic deception to put 90% of the border patrol on the southern border, which is done, and leave the northern border, which we, we, we're we adjacent to, virtually unprotected by anything but uh, a, a, a skeleton force of border patrol, primarily at I-5, and then the truck crossing, and then the Coast Guard. And uh, it, it really it blew me away. It blew me away to a point where... Um, I'm 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 gonna immerse myself uh, in 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 the topic and and look into it more because you 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 should hear this. 
um, uh, as, as I'm looking around, scanning around Seattle media, nothing, nothing at all about what's happening up north. And what what's, apparently it's been going on for 15 years. But it's at a point now where career intelligence and law enforcement people are either retiring early or they're leaving because thus is, such is the interference uh, that, that they have with their jobs. Um, and imagine if uh, half of the FBI and the DEA and ATF uh, and all that uh, just resigned, retired. You know, it, would, would it tell you that something is wrong? Uh, back in a second, AM 770 KTTH. You're listening to a Brian Suit Show replay on AM 770 KTTH. Hey, um, 770 KTTH. Good morning, everybody. Back to work. Uh, well, for me, anyway. Uh, did uh, producer Greg here, what's our, uh, what's the email for the uh, text uh, app that we use? In I, I don't know. Usually it's automatically signed in I on know. my computer, too, and I'm signed out as well. So oh, I, we're not going to be checking your text anytime soon, everyone. I'll, I'll check my old emails where the password is. Can remember where the hell our login is. Oh, speaking of that, by, by the way, I a very very clever scam is I got a phone call, so I'm I'm in Oregon and I'm using my Key Bank is effectively a local bank, um, <clears throat> you know everything is fine. I get a, I get a random call and it comes up as well. It was an eight hundred number, but but um, I usually don't don't uh, don't answer on uh, you know unidentified calls. Uh, but it said that, it, I mean, it knew that I was a customer of the key bank. They claimed to be customer service and they were going to check some transactions, which I've had happen before, uh, where, uh, like something will get rejected and then I have to call and say, yeah, that's me doing it. Right. And <clears throat> The, and so it, but, but they don't, they, they usually don't call you. You have to call them. So that, that was alarm bell number one. It didn't go off for me. And then how far did you, they uh, string you along? Here? Well, I want to, I want to go over some transactions uh, with you, uh, sir. And uh, Mr. Mr. Sweets. And uh, then you tell me if uh, you did them. First of all, what, what's your username? That is alarm bell number one. Right. Um, Cause what they're doing at that point, and they're going through all these transactions um, that, of course, you don't, you know, you weren't in Pocatello, Idaho, two hours ago or one hour ago, you know, or whatever. And what they're doing is they're distracting you because then they're going to ask for your password. And so that that's that's a scam. And when and like three transactions in, I realized, wait a minute, they already have all this data. They don't need my username. And so when, when when he asked for my password, I just hung up. So that that's a thing. You didn't make a citizen's arrest over the phone? I said, I'll have you, uh, sir, <laughs> place your hands on uh, the, uh, the the countertop uh, there in Bangalore, India, where, where you were. And, um, yeah, so I, I hung up uh, on, on that. And that, that kind of uh, – the fact that I got that, that far into it. Um, so I was in the – uh, in in Washington's new redistricted did, um, second district quite a bit, man. I I gotta tell you, uh, if the eyeball poll is gonna indicate anything, uh, it's that Jamie Herrera Butler is in trouble. 
uh, for the mm-hmm. primary. In I think the polls show that, right? I, I I'm trying to find one. It, it's funny. It's you know it's covered quite a bit in Portland, and just the signs for. Oh, I shouldn't say second. I guess it's a third. Anyway, it's it's from Grace Harbor. It used to go all the way across the Columbia to Kennewick. Um, and by the way, the correct answer, Clickitat County. Clickitat County is where the Haskell stone hinges. But um, everywhere I went, even out of the, I'm I'm just out of that district, and there's Joe Kent stickers, banners, flags being flown. I'm I'm maybe up and down I five. You see Herrera Butler uh, signs, or you know, reelect Jamie Herrera Butler. Um, but that's it. You go off I five, go into the rest of the area, and and this is a it's a Republican. It's a plus five. Uh, you know, she went she wins by five five percentage points uh, or more. Um, and, and meanwhile, up here in Seattle for for the Jaipal seat here up here in Elena Kagan's uh, district, uh, Justice Kagan, she wins by thirty six. I mean, uh, you know, it, it's mm-hmm. the the lines are pretty. in the state of washington they're very red or very blue and i I gotta say uh you know she voted uh, to impeach trump and that's that that could be her 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 own news she was one of 10 in the house of representatives and two from the state of washington yeah and it could be because the people that vote in the primaries uh, are absolutely um the ones that uh, that that um are influenced by that third district. Yeah. Third district. Um, so, so as I'm driving, driving along on the 14, I'm not seeing any Herrera Butler signs. I'm seeing can't, 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 can't. So, um, interesting. Um, some say many, many fascinated by that. Uh, you know, a real fast way to make sure the Russians don't hand over your uh, freakishly tall, uh, tatted up uh, WNBA players that that uh, are in are in jail on trail for for uh, what what was it uh, illegal essences or forbidden essences <laughs> forbidden essences for for yeah. having a forbidden essence uh, at the airport is to raise her profile. This is the 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 dumbest thing that you can do is have the spokesperson for the president of the United States say her name out loud except that for domestic politics uh, this is this is the winner this is an issue that is a priority for this president as you have heard us say before uh, and by the way because Brittany griner in prison in russia uh, hand wrote a letter gave it to an embassy official then they forwarded it to the white house and and guess what it says russian prisons suck um get me out of here get me get me the hell out pretty much dr dr frankenstein uh, in in the room with the with the monster get me the hell out of here he believes that any us national that is held abroad or detained or uh, held hostage abroad we need to bring back safely and we are going to uh, use every tool that we possibly can to make that happen on saturday uh, mrs griner spoke with national security Advisor uh, Jake Sullivan. That is their second call in the past about 10 days that they have spoken. Uh, Secretary Blinken also spoke uh, with Mrs. Greiner as, as well recently. I don't have anything else to read.
laid out as far a, as a potential call or meeting uh, with her family, but clearly uh, we believe she is wrongfully detained. It is a deeply personal letter. As you know, this precedent is, uh, takes that very personally as well. Um, uh, Brittany Griner talked about the 4th of July, which we just celebrated yesterday, talking about freedom and how, how different it means for her. You heard the president's speech, which was also very powerful yesterday. Well, very so, powerful. you know, b bottom line is they will trade her for the jailed arms and drug dealer, Victor Boot, who's been in jail here in the U.S. for about uh, 10 years. We, there was an Interpol red notice on the guy for 20 years. And, you know, he's a he's a FOV. He's a friend of Vladimir. And uh, Putin has wanted him out for a long, long time. And, you know, make make the mistake. She was taken hostage. You know, it's got nothing to do with the forbidden essences because you can get forbidden essences in uh, in Russia. It's a, she was taken hostage. And it, the, the second you turn over your network to being dedicated to, uh, you know, free Britney or whatever, you, you're just you're just guaranteeing they're going to want more for her. That's a really good point. I hadn't thought of that, Brian. But you, you're saying the more her profile gets raised, the more the cost becomes to get her back absolutely and and it means handing over a very bad guy uh back to moscow and i mean there's there's people that uh, you know that that are on msnbc who are saying well we get rid of a arms dealer or whatever um, you know we we get our wmba star back well well you know the, the bad guys are in uh, have red notices from interpol and and the u.s government for a reason um, so, uh, but so effectively, this is a done deal. It's just a question of the of the price now. Um, you know, she'll she'll be back by Christmas. Um, now that Putin sees the value of this person, um, and they're saying, "Well, we just did a prisoner exchange with them." That was months in the making, way, way, way before. Uh, he invaded Ukraine. Now, now he's going to tie everything to this one person. He's going to say no more high Mars missile systems to Ukraine. Um, uh, make uh, don't, don't don't let Finland into NATO. I mean, whatever. You, you know, I'm I'm sorry that she had forbidden essences, but it should be simply on those terms. Just um, you know, we we need a lawyer. But their justice system is is like our federal system. You know, ninety nine percent of the people that go to trial get convicted because the feds don't take it to trial unless they have a, a airtight case of forbidden essences. Anyway, uh, back in a second, AM seven seventy KTTH. You're listening to a Brian Suit Show replay. You're listening to a Brian Suit Show replay on AM seven seventy KTTH. Brian Suits here. Uh, we're about to be joined by Seattle Sports uh, Seahawks broadcaster, former Seahawk grade and Arizona State safety, Paul Moyer. But first, some, some highlights from 1987. Oh, yeah. That's Paul Moyer. Number 21, safety. Age 26. Loves golf. Hates beefcakes. I just love to meet him. I mean, I'm not a loner, but I do enjoy my time alone. I haven't had too many... You know, long relationships with women. You know, you obviously have to be some type of physically attracted to a girl to get to know her. But after that's all I'm going to play. It's got to be. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> that was on King Five. That was on Evening with Penny Legate or whatever. Yes, I, 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 rem I remember it well. I searched for C Paul Moyer Seahawk highlights, and that's what came up. 
No, s- no, that's what you chose. That's a big difference, <laughs> distinction there. There's plenty of highlights there. I'm thinking, wait, he's he's going back uh, off 35 years ago, and that's the one he's pulling? I, 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 there's a couple of touchdowns versus Dan Fouts and a few Hall of Famers. Uh, interceptions, but um, you'll have to send those to me. <laughs> I'm sure I'll find. <laughs> I actually remember. Uh, I, I remember your Fouts pick sixes. Um, there was yep. no, no chance of him chasing you down, but uh, no. Um, well, uh, you're on, of course, you're um, number 21 on the roster, number one, everyone's hearts, Paul Moyer, a former uh, Cairo broadcast partner. Of, I gotta say, I think we did the world's greatest Seahawks postgame show. Well, we definitely had fun. I mean, we got to go back what into the '90s there when we were doing the uh, the pre post game with you, and uh, I think we did it the no, old... 2000. 2001. Was it 2000? Yeah, wow. when FX McCorys was still open. That's why we did it there. Um, oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. Good. So, so uh, why is the Pac-12 uh, disintegrating before our very eyes? Yeah, where, 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 where did the Northwest schools wind up in all this? <laughs> You know, obviously the the easy ones, money. Um, you know, just the the changing landscape. Look, at, more than anything, it's just driven by football and the West Coast. We know it. Other than University of Washington, Oregon, uh, occasional Arizona State's at time. I mean, the, the 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 stands aren't packed. People aren't going obviously or or turning the TVs on to watch it. Uh, the time slots. Um, certainly, the the previous commissioner and the TV deals that he put together for the Pac-12 put them behind. The SEC makes 200, or actually the Big Ten makes two, almost $240 million a year more than the Pac-12. I mean, that's just I, I got competitive. I, I got to say, yeah, the Pac-12 TV presence was laughable, really laughable. Yeah. And, and one of the biggest television markets in the entire world, and certainly in the United States, has two prominent Pac- Pac-12 teams. Now, they're gone, and that market is gone. I feel like no one is just admitting that you you can't put a premium conference together without those two schools. Nobody in the Midwest or the East Coast cares about Oregon, Washington, uh, and then go down the list. That's, that's the bottom line. Yeah, I mean, I think Washington's the only team left that carries, you know, a brand, you know, academically, what they do from a sporting standpoint. Not that they've had a lot of success, but the fan support, um, being in a top 15, you know, major metropolitan area. I mean, there, there's a lot of positive to University of Washington. Um, Oregon, look, it, it, other than don't take offense to your, your Oregon uh, fans out there, which there's probably not a lot, you know, and a nice, cute duck. But that used to be the worst academically and athletic football or college that I can remember growing up. No one wanted to go there. And they've done a nice job, obviously, turning that around. But I think Oregon and Washington have, have a brand that you could bring over. Uh, but the Pac-12, we, we know it's over. And, and Brian, it, where it gets worse, man, it, everybody says, you know, be careful what you w- wish for and paying all these athletes. It's going to trickle down to the other sports. You'll see less men's sports, which with you know, the combination of Title IX ties with women's sports. You'll see less women's sports and scholarships. They can't put all their money in egg one in basket, I don't think. So, you know, how do you spread that wealth around the other sports of basketball for these big schools now? So I think it's, uh, you know, 10 years from now, we, we won't even recognize it. Five years from now, I, I'm not sure there's a Pac-12 
pack. Yeah. I don't know if it's 8, 10, 12, 16. Yeah. Uh, the, uh, one of the great advantages of the, of the pack 8, 10, 12 was that all the schools were effectively in the same time zone. Um, now they're talking about some weird hybrid pack, pack 10, whatever's going to be left, pack, pack 8, plus Atlantic Coast Conference, ACC stuff. And as a player, pro, pro, and for the semi-pro Arizona State Sun Devils, uh, what what is that like flying across the country versus up and down the same time zone? Well, I I, I originally thought that was an op- an opportunity that, to make a, a power conference that would be appealing to TV. And so what you do is you do a strategic alliance, East Coast, you know, West Coast, ACC, PAC. And then you've got most of your non-conference schedules lined up at that point. Um, and you could do some stuff later in the year as well to make some marquee plays. I, I think it gets tougher. Are you going to send your gymnastics team across the country, uh, you know, to Clemson? Or your baseball team, you know, every other week to Miami and Florida State? I, I, I mean, the cost of that is going to be ridiculous, but... Um, I think the ACC and PAC, if they PAC and Big 12 can find a way to cherry pick the right teams and make a, a good PAC 16, 12, I don't even know, again, whatever the number is. Yeah. Um, I think yeah. the ACC and that alliance could work, but Brian, they had an alliance last year with the Big 10, the PAC 12, and the ACC that they were not going to steal each other's teams. That was less than one year ago. No. And they got Oregon and, or excuse me, UCLA and USC. Well, they're whores. Uh, all right. Uh, well, thanks for joining us this morning, man. Good to uh, to get back with you. Next time you're in here, pop into the studio. Well, it's good to have you back. We'll, uh, oh, it's great. We'll catch up on some old times. I'm heading off to work, so you make it a great day, and thanks for having me. All right, there he goes. Former Arizona State, great. We'll play off with Paul Meyer. That's a joke. I bet you don't even know the Arizona State. <laughs> Well, I do. I, I know the whole song. Oh, I've never heard it. Anyway. You're listening to a Brian Suit Show replay on AM 770 KTTH. It's Black Rock. There you go. Black Hockey. That's who it is. AM 770 KTTH. Brian Suit's here. That's um, one of the most ambitious crossovers of all time. I know. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. It makes me sick. To it be makes honest. me sick, to be honest with you. Um, well, you know what makes me sick is the people who protest by blowing giant hoses of liquefied cow poo at the parliament. Except that it's uh, pretty darn funny. It's darn funny until the police start shooting at you with real bullets. Uh, Dutch farmers have had it up to here with the World Economic Forum uh, openly boasting about planting people inside the Dutch government. Who who are just so positive that fertilizers are bad for humanity that they're they're talking about buying your farm so that it can go fallow, just so that you stop growing stuff. Uh, Dutch police fired shots at tractor riding farmers who were protesting against plans to cut nitrogen emissions on Tuesday evening in the northern Netherlands, uh, which uh, is right next to Holland. Uh, police said they were responding to a threatening situation with the farmers who were attempting to push past a blockade and get onto a highway, uh, started to drive their tractors into officers in their vehicles, whatever. Um, uh, according to the Friesland police, uh, their shots hit a tractor. No one was injured. Here's, here's what they're pissed about. <clears throat> um, they've been protesting government plans that could require farmers to use less fertilizer and reduce their livestock numbers which could force some farms uh, to shut. And, and so, so here, here's what the World Economic Forum, 
doesn't care about. And here's what some some Dutch uh, liberal fascists don't understand either is the and the world's going to find out in, in, in a few months when access to the normal carrying capacity of the planet Earth's food system uh, that we have relied on for the past 50 years uh, is is cuddly, suddenly cut. And, and, and by the way, for the record, folks, drought doesn't cause famine. There has to be some other interruption. Um, see, Ethiopia in, in the mid-80s, there was a civil war, okay? There, uh, so there's that. And that's happening right now the, in, in Ukraine. In, in the world's breadbasket in, in, in Russia and Ukraine, there's an interruption in, in wheat deliveries. The Turks actually seized one of the... Uh, a, a cargo ship with stolen Ukrainian grain. It was Russian flagged. And uh, a, as usual, Putin got in a special Erdogan hotline. And uh, within 24 hours, the Turks released it. The Ukrainians are pissed. But but so so anyway, the Dutch plan is to cut fertilizer. And nitrogen emissions, right? Or- because that is what you get with ammonium nitrate, which is the most productive fertilizer used around the world. Right now, as we speak, there is a laboratory called Sri Lanka that a year ago, their their idiot prime minister stood in front of the UN as an applause line, and he said, Sri Lanka will be the first country to forswear and never ever use chemical fertilizer again. A year later, they're starving because... Ammonium nitrate, the most productive and common fertilizer made around the world, is responsible for about one-third of the world's food. And this, this is uh, corn, wheat. It's without fertilizing Kennewick or Kansas or Ukraine, there is at least one-third less food on the planet Earth at the end of the year to for, for harvest. And that's that. that that's, that is what modern farming techniques have done is is that we courtesy of ammonium nitrate and other fertilizers but primarily ammonium nitrate we are able to feed far more people than would normally eat in the year we're about to see that and so um i salute the dutch farmers uh, in 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 doing this and uh, because you know in the eu <clears throat> this is becoming a thing and they import uh, wheat from Ukraine and Russia and all that. They also grow a tremendous amount of food in in France and Germany, Italy, and they, you know they they grow food, but they all use fertilizers. And so you have crazy green people that are in charge of governments who don't understand this, and they're saying, "Oh, but the nitrogen emissions, uh, or or whatever." <clears throat> um, the it's funny because. Two days ago, there was a remarkable streak of common sense coming out of the EU where they said they they reclassified dams and nuclear as green. Whoa, (laughs) that's something. Um, And and, part, part of the reason is there's this embarrassing example called France, which... On a typical day here in the middle of the summer, at least 90% of the electricity in France is nuclear because they, they learned their lesson with the embargo of the 70s. Um, don't rely on that part of the world um, or the oily part of the world uh, for your power. 
the, uh, meanwhile, uh, six months ago, the Germans shut down two nuclear power plants um, on the eve of Russia invading Ukraine and uh, and and the whole thing. Uh, they shut down nuclear plants, and, and now uh, Russia is within a month of Europe freezing all all winter long, because this is the time of year that you buy natural gas from Russia and you stick it in the ground so that your people don't freeze in November and December. And Putin has slowed the natural gas down. Um, and that's from the traditional Nord Stream 1 uh, pipeline. Uh, as it happens, natural gas is the leading component in, in making uh, ammonium nitrate. So just the, the cell phones around the world, and, and this is in spite of an example that you can point to. There's food riots in Sri Lanka because they, they haven't grown nearly as much rice as they normally do because they haven't fertilized it. Uh, India also panicking, absolutely wondering um, where are they going to get their food because Sri Lanka grew a bunch of the rice too. Uh, and so now now you have the situation where the the G7 came up with this idiotic plan about, oh, you should tell Russia what the cap that will pay for their fossil fuels are. India said, well, yeah, no, um, because now the G20 meeting and India is part of the G20 and then awkward. So is Russia um, and, and the whole thing. <clears throat> and the Indians have said, we're, we're, that's stupid. We're not going to do that. And part of the reason is India said, you know, let us remind you over here. We buy weapons from Russia. We don't want to damage Russia. Their gas is still cheaper now that only India and China are buying it or, or, or are getting a cheaper price anyway. No, we're not going to pay a cap. And let the Germans freeze their kids in December. If they want to, if they want to try that, if they want to go to their, their drug dealer and say, oh, all right, uh, 200 bucks for a gram or whatever, I'm, I'm not paying more than 150 All right, see how that, see how that gets you. Um, so that's that's going to be happening. Uh, They're uh, calling for an emergency debate over there with the Dutch Prime Minister <laughs> and Minister of Justice and Security. Uh, as you said, in addition to spraying the poopy, uh, Dutch farmers have blocked supermarkets, distribution centers, and roads in protests all week long. And I'm and you know I I can't overemphasize this. They're backing a fertilizing trailer. Up, up to apparently the front door of the Ministry of Agriculture, and with a about an eight inch hose, <laughs> just spraying the brownest, chunkiest uh, liquid you've ever seen, and it's piling up in front of the door. I mean, we are still smelling a lot of oh, in the air. It's totally, totally the uh, the uh, the best protest I've ever seen. 